0: Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As we begin this morning in verse 23, looking at God's Word to us and hopefully being reminded of how blessed we are to be called the people of God and to have the people of God in our lives. I pray that we experience that this morning. I pray that we know that because it is one of the greatest resources that God has given us. And that is the church, the people of God. I mean, when you think of the church, you're not talking about the building, right? You're not talking even about the programs. You're talking about the flesh and blood people who are around that belong to the family of God, just like you do. And how blessed we are to have those folks. You know, this week, I I was certainly studying for this message, and I've been in the book of Acts, seeing how God used the people of God. And and how he continued to speak to them and and embolden them to see how they were there for each other. And as I was reading through, I I did something that probably I should not do. I I actually looked at social media. I'm going to be honest, it's probably one of those things I shouldn't do that often. Because as I looked upon social media, I saw a, a lady that I had known some years ago who uh, began to talk about how she had basically given up on the church. How basically she had decided that within her own home, she could worship, she could do whatever she needed. She did not need a corporate body of believers. And I was pained. I was very pained for her. I started to try to respond to her on social media, but then wisdom got a hold of me. It's not usually the right place to respond or have such conversations. But I thought to myself, how tragic is it when someone has given up on the people of God? How tragic is it when people don't have the natural resource of the church? How tragic is it when they have deceived themselves? And I do believe they've deceived themselves or they have allowed Satan himself to deceive them that they don't need anybody else. They just just need themselves. It's tragic because you and I need one another. I'm convinced of it. I I read the scripture and I'm convinced that you and I need one another. We need one another in good times and we need one another in bad times. And that's the reason God put us together. This is not an earthly concept, the church. The the church was a divine concept. God himself originated the church. He brought the church together. He, He loved the church. And get this. I know there are times when the church can disappoint us. Right? Hey, I'm a pastor. I've been disappointed before. But thank God that Jesus didn't give up on us when he he was disappointed with us. Thank God he still loved us. Thank God he was willing to give himself up for us, even us who were yet sinners. Guess what? Christ died for us. And I'm committed to the people of God, and I'm grateful for the people of God. And I am grateful especially that you and I can come together and we can pray that we can lift up one another's needs And I believe through the the prayer that is offered by the collective church, there is significant power and there is significant work that can be accomplished in the kingdom of God. I'm convinced of that. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Remember, we enter into this narrative where Peter and John have brought about by God's power, a healing of a lame man, one that had been lame for 40 plus years in Acts chapter 3. And because of that work and because of their preaching, they had gone before the Supreme Court of Israel, the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin had tried them, and the Sanhedrin had instructed them not to be talking about Jesus. They could talk about anything else, just don't talk about Jesus. His Messiahship is resurrection. And it says that, They were obviously um, disciplined because of what they had done. And they were charged not to do anything else. So what did they do in verse 23? Hearing the words of the Sanhedrin, hearing the threats that were coming against them, what did they do? They went to the church because they knew they needed the people of God. Look in verse 23. It says, and being let go, they went to their own companions. Literally, it is, they went to their own kind. In other words, here they were. They they had been getting all the pushback from the Sanhedrin. They They had been told, you can't talk about Jesus. And they had been threatened. And it says that when they were released, the first thing they did was go back to their brothers and sisters in Christ. They decided that they needed the church. They needed the people of God. They needed their own kind. They needed somebody that understood. They needed somebody that was in the trenches with them. Hey, I'm grateful, as I said, for the church. But I'm grateful for the church because I've got people that are in the trenches with me. I've got people that share the same kindred spirit that I do. How are we brought together in the church? It is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're brought together. Do you know why you... Are a member of the local church? It is because Jesus loved you, died for you, and you gave your heart and life to him, and He put you in the midst of, of sometimes a messy bunch, but He put you together with a bunch that has the same kindred spirit that you do. And that's what is a tremendous gift that you can go back, even on Sundays. It is reinvigorating to me that I can come in this place after kind of experiencing the week and the different things that you see outside of this place. It's good to come in and say, you know what? I've I've got the same kind of kindred spirit that Jeremy does. I've got the same type of kindred spirit that Ron does. I've got the same kind of kindred spirit that Margaret does. I've got the same kind of kindred spirit that I can come and talk about issues that I'm facing. Talk about how the world maybe has beaten me down. I can find refreshment and renewal. And more importantly, I can ask for prayer and I can engage in prayer in my life with the church. They went to those that were like them. They went unto their own and they reported all that the chief priest and elders had said to them. And then it said in verse 24, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. They prayed. So they go together. They tell everything that's happening. And the church decides, you know what? We need to pray. We need to talk to God about this. What is prayer? It is basically our conversation with God. We need to talk to God about this. And you know what? We need to talk to God about this together doesn't need to be just individual. Don't get me wrong. You can pray individually, and so you should. But there's a moment where we come together as a people and say, you know, let's talk to God about this. Let's speak to him, and let's do it collectively. It says they raised a voice to God. I'm not sure exactly how this worked. I, I don't know... If there was one person um, who was serving like as the pastor, maybe it was Peter. Uh, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody, I believe, got up and they led the vocal presentation, the vocal dialogue with God. I think they did. I think one person probably prayed, and the others were all in agreement with what was being prayed. In other words, like they were in one accord. They were agreeing. And maybe you could hear them. Maybe you could hear just under their breath as they were agreeing or maybe it was just in their hearts and in their minds but they were in agreement with what needed to be said you know there is something again significant about the people of God praying together and being unified together being in one accord we're going to talk about how they were unified in their praise and they were unified in their purpose and they were unified in the power of God. But I want you to just think a moment about how significant it is for us just to agree on something. It's amazing that anybody can agree on anything these days, right? I, I mean, we're in a culture that's just naturally lends itself to disagreement all the time. So to find somebody that can actually agree with you and pray with you, that's significant. And it said, they came together, they voiced this prayer with this one accord, this harmony, this peace together. They prayed in unity. When we pray as a church, we need to make sure that we are praying with that sense of unity. Because there's something significant about the people of God agreeing and God hearing that prayer and God responding, right? We need to pray in unity together. I have never seen anybody pray like a guy named Dr. Hedrick, uh, who's one of my professors at New Orleans Seminary. He was a counseling professor, but what I know him for and remember him for is praying. I, I, it, was, it was amazing. I've never seen anybody pray like that, and I've never seen God answer prayers like he did when Dr. Hedrick prayed. I've told people before, I've shared this with others, that like when he prayed, like something happened. Have you ever met those kind of folks? I mean, like when he prayed, it was going to happen. We'd go in as seminary students and we'd have our prayer requests before class. And, uh, you know, we'd be talking about different needs, maybe in our church or maybe in this or something going on. A lot of times seminary students had, they always seemed to have broke down vehicles. <laughs> so there were oftentimes we'd say, Dr. Hedrick, would you pray that we'd get the right... Radiator, we'd get the right uh, uh, part for this or that, and could could you pray for that? It, it, and and Dr. Hedrick, could you pray for the money? Because Dr. Hedrick, we're seminary students, and like we don't have any money, so we need you to pray that we'd have the resources for that. And, and you think I'm kidding? He would pray in that class, and when we came back to that class, maybe it might be a week later, we'd come back. He'd say, anybody have any praises or prayer requests today? It'd be a praise. And they'd ask, what, what's the praise? And he'd say, you know that that we prayed for last week? That, that part, that, 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 pri- it came true. I, I got that part this week. As a matter of fact, and I, I heard this more than one time, more than one time, That would say, you know we prayed for that specific amount like $383.50 because Dr. Hedrick believed in being specific when you prayed. <laughs> he would say, how much you need? Tell me now and let's pray for it. Specific. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, we would get there that next week and you think I'm kidding. You th- and look, it, it boggled my mind. But the praise would be God sent sent me a check in the mail for $385. He was better and gave me $1.50 more than what I asked. Now, used to, I'd say, "Is Dr. Hedrick sending this stuff in the mail. Is he answering his own prayers? What's going on? It was unbelievable. But one thing he would do, and and I always remembered, like, and and of course, you know in class after that, like everybody was raising their hand during prayer requests. (coughs) Like, we couldn't get to the subject matter most of the time because we were like, hey, 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 we need you to pray for us. We got this and this and this. Because everybody knew, even when he passed away, they told of story after story at his funeral of how his prayers had been answered. It was amazing. But you know one thing he would say to us in class? He would say to us before we prayed, he said, now, I only want those who are in agreement with us to pray. If you, if you are not with us today, if you don't believe this, if you're not, he said, don't, don't, don't pray with us. At first I was kind of offended. I was thinking he just told me not to pray. But he, he would emphasize how the people of God needed to be in agreement in one accord as they prayed. And I never forgot that. Obviously, I'm still talking about it today. And that's been years, 20 years or so ago. And it challenges me because, folks, when we pray as a church, when we come together as a church, we have to pray in unity together. God has to guide our minds and our hearts, and we have to come together and say, God, we are all in one when it comes to this subject. We're united. It says that they come to their own and that they raise a voice, a collective voice together. And when they raise that voice, they are in one accord. And it doesn't matter if the preacher is praying or whether it was a deacon who is praying or whether it's a worship leader who is praying. Every time we go into the very presence of God through prayer, we need to unite our hearts. We need to be in one accord as we speak to him. And oh, how we need to pray. I will even say it. We need to pray more and more and more than we ever have. When I look at the early church in the book of Acts, they came together a lot to pray. After the ascension of Jesus into heaven, it says that they came together and they prayed. When they were seeing this great movement of Pentecost, as they gathered, it said that they would pray. Shouldn't surprise us, Jesus' whole life was marked by prayer. When he was here, he was in communication with the Father. Constantly praying. And so should his disciples. So should the church be known as a place where collective prayer is given. Remember what Jesus said about the temple. He said, my house, my place here, I wanted it to be known as a house of prayer. And thus for us as the people of God, being known as a place. Where people can come and they can give their request and we as a church would pray. Ian e. Bowne said that any church that calls itself the house of God but fails to magnify and teach the great lesson of prayer should change its teaching to conform to the divine uh, pattern or it should change the name of its building to something other than a church, he said. We need to be people who gather in prayer corporately collectively. Now notice this prayer here that they offer. They are united in praise. It says, as they offer this one voice voice to God, In verse 24, it says that they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. He says, Lord, we we praise you collectively because we recognize all through this, that you are Lord. Now that word Lord there in verse 24 is not the same word that you usually find in the New Testament for Lord. It actually means something like master. Owner. The one who has everything, controls everything. Lord, we praise you because you got this. That's really what they're doing. We praise you. Now why were they praising God for his sovereignty and How great he was? Well, Peter and John had been released. Remember? Peter and John had stood in the same place that Jesus had weeks before. And Jesus had been crucified because of this verdict of the Sanhedrin. But now Peter and John, they've stood before this hostile force. They've been imprisoned. And God was greater than all of those officials. God was greater than the Sanhedrin. And God released them. To send them back to the church, and how happy they were. Like, it, it hey, Sunday morning. It, to me, it is good to see people. Some of you I haven't seen all week. Some of you, I have. Some of you bug me, dear. But some of you, I just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Y'all get a little sensitive. I can tell. But it's good to see one another when we come together. But can you imagine being at this prayer meeting? You're in there praying and and you're worshiping. And you know Peter and John, they're down the street and they're before the Sanhedrin. You heard that they were in jail overnight. And all of a sudden they show up at your door. And they walk in. Wouldn't it be a moment to say, hey, 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 we need to pray. And what we need to do is just praise God first of all. Let's be united in that. How happy are we? That he is Lord, and he is owner, and he is master, and he is over Pontius Pilate. He is over all of these officials. He is over it all. I praise God for him being over everything. I'm reminded throughout the week. I'm reminded throughout the week how good our God is. And how sovereign he is over all activities. When one of our church members. When one of our church members. Has a sudden issue. Health issue. In her life. When we don't know whether or not. She'll be able to make it to where she needs to be. And and go through the procedure. When we have all kinds of uncertainty, and all of a sudden we see how God takes all of those things, works it out, brings healing, I'm going to tell you, you, as, you and I as God's people, we should stop and say, God, praise to you because you are over everything. You are the healer. You are the master. You are the one that deserves all praise and all glory for who you are. And I'm going to tell you, things happen every day of the week where God shows his lordship, where he shows that he is still in control. And we ought to celebrate when we see it in our people's lives, when we see it in the church's life, when we see how God is moving, we come together on Sunday. To me, see, Sunday morning, this collective gathering to me is like the big Super Bowl, the Super Bowl of the week. Because you and I get to celebrate what God has been doing all week long. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about what he has been doing in our lives and how he's been showing himself to us. Peter and John, they show up. And the people of God said, let's praise the Lord. We don't have to go to business meeting to vote whether or not we're going to praise. We just, we just going to do it. Okay. You, you don't have a, have a motion, doesn't have to go to the Robert's rules. All you got to do is say, people of God, let's praise him. They offered this one voice of prayer, and this one voice was united in praise. I, I love how they used the Psalms. Um, I probably need to talk about this later on, but they use a section of Psalm 146, 6, I think, in verse 24. And then in verse 25 and verse 26, they use part of Psalm 2, 1 through 2 in particular. They took God's word and they used it as a praise to him. I think there's some uh, some type of practice you and I might find there. I don't do it enough. I've been... Trying to look at this practice more, this discipline, as it has been suggested to me by other staff members of taking the scripture and praying it back to God. There's a book, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney, that has challenged me of just taking it, especially the Psalms. Bonhoeffer said, the Psalms are given to this end, that we may learn to pray them in the name of Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to say to you, when you don't know exactly what to say, maybe all you and I need to do is go and find the scripture, and maybe find a psalm, and just pray it back to God as our prayer. They pray this psalm, Psalm 146 and Psalm 2. They pray back to God to just say, God, we praise you. They're united in their praise. They're united in their purpose. Notice what it says again, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all, that with all boldness they may speak your word. So, Lord, we look around us and we see the threats that are coming at us. We've just heard what the Sanhedrin said. The Sanhedrin said that we were not supposed to speak your name. God, we pray it with one purpose. That you would give us boldness. Now note this. They did not pray that they did not pray that God would remove the persecution. Well, isn't that a lack of faith? They should have just said, God, you know what? Just take all those people out. Remove the persecution from us. Remove the hostility. No. They knew that was a reality of life. The people of God, listen to me, the people of God, when truly effective, when truly following what God has called them to do, at some point, in some way, will, they'll run into some persecution. They knew they were in hostile territory. God told them to go to Jerusalem first. Remember, Jerusalem was where Jesus was killed. And Jesus said, I need you to go there first. They knew there would be hostility. They didn't pray for that persecution to cease. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times I I pray, God, would you change circumstances? Oh, I guess I shouldn't say this, but... I say a lot of things I shouldn't say. God did not promise you the best life now. And God is not just interested in your happiness. Did you hear me? Oh, He's interested in your joy, in your contentment. That's different than just happiness. God wants you to be joyful even when persecution comes in your life. They prayed. They recognized the reality. Hey, we know we're going to be prosecuted. Hostilities coming. Jesus said, the world will hate you. So what did they do? They said, God, give us boldness. Don't let us cower down to this persecution. Don't let us wither in the midst of hostility. God, give us boldness in intimidating circumstances. Oh, they had, they had experienced it, Peter and John in particular, in verse 13 of that same chapter, chapter 4. It said, now when they, had, when they that is the Sanhedrin, had, had seen the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. So Peter and John had experienced that boldness. They had stood before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin looked at them and said, these people, they haven't even been trained. They haven't been educated. How in the world could they stand here before us with such confidence and assurance? And I love the last part of that verse because it said, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Jesus. Because when you've been with Jesus and you know that he is the resurrected Lord, it will give you all the confidence to stand with boldness against anything that comes against you and be able to, in a gentle, truthful way, declare the goodness and the greatness of who Jesus is. They had experienced it and now they're praying and saying, God, we want a little more of that. God, we remember what it was like to be able to have that boldness right there. God, we pray that you would give us all that boldness. It was boldness to speak. Oh, may I say this? Some of us, we don't need to be praying over what we need to do in certain circumstances. I know I just blew some of your minds. So you're always supposed to be praying what you need to do. No, no, no. Listen, there are some things that are lined out that you should do. You don't even have to pray about. For example, witness to of who Christ is. That's your purpose. They didn't pray and say, Now, Lord, would you tell us whether we should be witnessing about you here in Jerusalem? They didn't pray that. They didn't have to waste their breath. They knew their primary purpose was to declare Jesus as Lord wherever they were. Their prayer was, God, just give us strength to do it. Give us boldness. You and I shouldn't be ever having to pray and say, God, do you want me to have an opportunity to witness today? Because I'm going to tell you, God's always going to say, yes, witness of me. What you and I need to pray is, God, we need some strength in this. We We need the boldness. We need the confidence. So they prayed. They prayed with a purpose. And you and I aligning our purpose around his purpose of witnessing and giving us boldness. And they prayed together in power. It's extraordinary, extraordinary passage, extraordinary sight that speaks to the power of God. It says, by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, okay, they were all together. They were in unison. They were in unity they prayed. It said the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That shaking must have gotten some attention, right? I wish God would shake some of our churches today to get our attention and remind us how powerful He is and how He responds to prayer. It, it's, it's, prayer is his vehicle of choice, okay? It is what he has decided to respond to, what he hears, the prayers of his people. And here it is the shaking. It is an unmistakable answer of God. Because prayer, as John Piper says, is the coupling of primary and secondary causes. I love this. It is the splicing of our limp wire to the lightning bolt of heaven itself. When we pray, we see power in our hearts and lives, and we see his power make a difference. See, prayer can do anything God can do, right? Do you believe that? Prayer can do anything God can do. Why do I say that? Because when I pray, I'm dependent upon God and his power. So when I pray and I'm asking him, that means I'm relying on God who has all power to do whatever he decides to do. Prayer can do anything God can do. And the people of God praying is powerful and significant. It has the power to bring life. How many of us have prayed for certain individuals in their salvation? We've done it together. We've asked our Sunday school class. Our fellow brothers and sisters, we've asked others, and we've seen that prayer answered. I'm not saying there still aren't some we need to be praying. There are some that I still am praying daily that God would listen and God would work in their hearts and lives. How many of us though have seen people who have brought been brought to healing? We've seen people find jobs. We've seen people restored to their relationship with the Lord why cuz there was a church that was praying I thank God that some of your moms and grandmoms and granddaddies and great-granddaddies that some of them came and they committed themselves to prayer for you and for me And I say to you we've got to have the same determination as God's people today We are relying on too much to bring power in the church we're relying upon all of the all of the programs and we're relying upon all of the social media stuff and the extra stuff. Let me tell you what, we will never find true power outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit indwelling us. It says that they had power and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a new Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had already come upon the earth at Pentecost. I wish I had more time to to flesh it out, this filling of the Holy Spirit. But let me just say this to you today. That just as Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means that you and I come under the Spirit of God and we allow Him to totally take over who we are. We submit and surrender to Him just as the drunk submits to the alcohol, so you and I submit to the Holy Spirit in our lives. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because they were surrendered. And there was a great power. And guess what happened? Their purposeful prayer was answered. Did you catch this? Verse 31, it says, They spoke the word of God with boldness. What did they pray? They prayed, Lord, give us boldness. And boom. They were filled with the spirit. The power of God was manifest. And it says, God answered their prayer and they went out and they spoke with boldness just like they asked for it. A.C. Dixon said, when we depend on organizations we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what only God can do. You and I, as God's people, in the church that he has called us to be a part, We must recommit ourselves to praying for one another. Hey, in Sunday school in just a few moments, Bible study, whatever you want to call it, when you go in there and you list prayer requests, don't just allow those just to just kind of be pushed aside. Just say, you know what? We, 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 God's people, we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray in one accord. When we come into this place and we praise him, we petition him. We do it with one accord, knowing God can do things that we could never imagine. My friends, there are so many reasons to be a part of a local church. So many reasons. But the power of collective prayer and corporate prayer is one of those things we should never neglect. It's one of those things we should commit ourselves to. Would you join me in that recommitment today? you join me in one accord seeking him let's pray together father Lord we come and first of all we as a people confess we confess we do not call upon you near enough and we do not depend upon your power in our lives like we should and for that we not only confess this morning but Lord we repent And we say we're sorry. And Lord, we change our minds. God, we believe here today collectively that you hear our prayers, that you respond to our prayers, and that God, when we as a group pray, that Lord, you are particularly moved. And God, right now, I do pray. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through health issues. God, we put those right before you. We praise you for how you've already brought healing in so many lives. God, this morning we come to you and there are some in this place that are mentally struggling and emotionally struggling. Father, some of them are in full-fledged Spiritual depression right now. God, I pray you would touch them and that you would hear the, the prayers of your people, that we collectively, as we lift them up, Lord, that you would work in their lives and that you would powerfully manifest yourself. Father, there's someone here that are financially struggling. They're trying to figure out their jobs. They're trying to figure out, Lord, what you would have for them. God, Hear the prayers of your people. And God, today, we pray within us as a church that you would do something that could not be explained by our programs, that you would do something that could not be explained by our resources, that could not be explained by anything else. But Lord, I pray that you would do something in our midst that only you could get the credit for. And Father, we pray this as a collective body, as one One congregation united in you. Lord, we lift it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.